What's up, everybody? August 29th for you. Because <sighs> you're watching or listening today. Today, it's uh, August 28th for me. And it's a significant day in my life. Because I'm getting a vasectomy today. Dudes like to say, you getting snipped, bro. You getting snipped? Yeah, I'm getting snipped. Some dudes are like, nah, bro. Nah, I don't get snipped, okay? No one's snipping off my manhood. And I'm just like, I could care less. My wife is like, are you nervous? I'm like, I'm not nervous. I just really don't want to get cut open, you know? And then I think like last night I was thinking about my like, God, oh, it's going to suck. And I'm just like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm doing it. I'm going to go in. I'm just going to like, let it be whatever it is. But at the same time now I'm thinking about, I'm like, oh God, and it cut me open. Then I think about if I had to have a baby, okay, women have this thing about men like, oh, you don't know what it's like to have a baby. No shit. I can't have a baby. I cannot have a baby. Okay. Don't hold it against me. But if I was thinking, if I get into the world where I start wondering like, man, could I have a baby or what would it be like if I had a baby? I bet the anxiety of what it's going to be like, what else, when else do you have this anxiety come over you of like a, a pain and a situation that your body's going to do that you can't control? The only time is, and this, I, I don't like to, I hate poop talk. I hate it. But like if you're getting a big poop and you know it's going to and you like you, you feel it. And you're like, oh, man, this is going to hurt. You know what I mean? There's nothing you can do about it. I've watched my kids go through it. and You're like, oh, I know, buddy. <laughs> I know. With both my son and my daughter. Anyway, I can't even imagine the anxiety that goes with that. Like, Jesus, it's not like something you know anything about. You don't know anything about it or what it's going to feel like. Oh, God. Anyway getting snipped today because what are we gonna do pay for birth control the rest of our lives that's dumb whatever i'm done i don't want any more kids i'm done so that's happening today uh welcome back to the through line podcast everybody you guys i love you so much and i appreciate all of you so much i put out there i'm doing a solo up today people responded i got some good stuff to talk about from you some good stuff from myself lots of great things happening um a lot of you guys out there on social media, on Instagram, I'm Jay Larson Comedy. On Facebook, I'm Jay Larson Comedy. I'm also Comedian Jay Larson on Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, who's on Twitter? I hear people talk about it sometimes, like, oh my God, on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, who's even on it anymore? Um, I'm sorry. I'm out of touch. Yeah, out of touch. Um... Another solo up today. Some people had said like, hey, man, I love the solo ups, but sometimes it's nice to hear your perspective from talking to another person. So I got some uh, set up, some other interviews, but I'm going to keep doing the solo ups because I really like just doing it. <laughs> okay, guys. So <sighs> suck it. Um, what else do I want to talk to let you know about? Uh, September, first weekend of September, I'm in Sunnyvale, California at uh, Rooster Tea Feathers, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Here's the deal. I was supposed to be there Sunday. No moss, bro. No moss. It's way too long to be away from my family. I'll get into that later. Uh, and then in the middle of November, uh, the 14th, 15th, 16th, I'm at Laugh Boston. Weekend before that, I believe it's the 7th, 8th, and 9th. I'm in Hartford, Connecticut at the Funny Bone. And then December 14th, 15th, 16th, I'm in Burlington, Vermont, which I cannot wait for. 
listen to me. I can't. I love performing live stand-up comedy. It's the best. But Vermont, dude, you've been to Vermont in the winter. It's cold. There's like antique. You go into stores and there's like classical music being played in antique stores and people are just so Vermont there. You're, you're not going to get thrown a curveball in Vermont. I I always love it when somebody looks stereotypically like something I would imagine them to be and then they're not. Vermont pretty much is like, yeah, this is who we are. You want maple syrup? Yeah, we got maple syrup. You want some funky, weird beer you've never had? Yeah, we make that. You want the best breakfast you ever had that has 2,500 calories? Yeah, we got that. Do you want an F ton of white people? We got it. We got it. You want a little side of Bernie Sanders? <laughs> we got that player. So I'm stoked. I, I just love it there. It, uh, You know, like as a kid, we never went to Vermont. I never went to Vermont, even growing up in Massachusetts. But when I'm there, I just kind of feel like I'm at home. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then New Year's Eve, Portland, Oregon. I will be with you for two shows at Helium Comedy Club. Um Please get tickets. Come out to some shows. And and listen, if you live somewhere that I am not going to, and obviously you know where I'm going because I keep telling you, and you want me to go there, call your club and be like, yo, can you book Jay Larson? Like, what's the fucking deal? What's your, what's your vibe? Now, I might not want to go there, okay? <laughs> I might not want to go there. But please, I want to get out and see you guys. And the only way I can do that is if you guys are having, you know, being active. You know, same thing goes with social media. I've been putting up tons of videos. Uh, some of you have the special, some of you don't. Uh, those of you who don't but are like sharing the video, I appreciate that so many people are sharing it. Tell people about the podcast. Share different videos I put up there because that's the only way that we keep growing and get things to, to move forward. So you guys are awesome with all of those different elements. I'm just trying to get... I have like a Wi-Fi thing. Oh, I think we unplugged it. All right, so that's probably it. Uh, hold on a second. We got a sponsor this week, you guys, and uh, whoo, it's fantasy football related. I'm stoked about it. New season. It's not fantasy football related. It's gambling related. Do you like to gamble? I know that I do. I love it. New season. Antonio Brown's on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell's with the Jets. ODB is in Cleveland. One thing that hasn't changed is if I'm going to bet this season, I'm going to my bookie is where I'm betting on football every weekend. I'm going to tell you guys a story a little later about how I got into gambling. I just love it. There's just something I love. About it. I have a problem sometimes. I bet with my heart. I'm just like, nah, I know. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win 100 k and it costs 100 bucks to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash, cash prize pool. See, this is the thing that I love about... Man, if I could gamble all the time, it would be scary because you're betting on individual games. This I like because it's almost like everything's like a parlay. It's not. You know, you're betting on a bunch of different things and see what happens. So I like this for that reason. I think it's a cool experience. You're not just betting on one game against one game. You're putting them all together and you're like, it's like a competition in a way. You know what I mean? Um, you bet, you win, they 
pay, baby. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for your fantasy, anyone who's doing fantasy out there, you can bet over under or how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Now that's getting deep. That's kind of more fun. You can just bet on guys fantasy-wise. I dig that. Here's the deal. Up to $1,000 first deposit bonus. Double your first deposit. You put in the money, I think they're going to double it. That's what it sounds like to me. Double your first deposit. Use promo code ThruLine, T-H-R-U-L-I-N-E, to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use a promo code ThruLine when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. You know I'm going to be playing there. That is a fact. I can't even... I'm getting a little jacked up thinking about it because I love that stuff. Let me... When I picked fantasy this year, I don't know how many people out there doing fantasy, but I don't know. I just love it. I'm not... I was never a huge football fan. Actually, what am I talking about? Growing up as a kid, I was a everything sport fan. That was just who I was. I couldn't help it. If it was a sport, I was a fan. And... uh you know, my mom wasn't into football, but I would still follow it because I would always follow box scores and stuff. But uh, now that I'm into fantasy football, like, I love it. I play every year. I won both my league. I don't know if anyone out there knows this, but I used to write for the NFL. So they have this, like, Fox has this, like, animated robot on during the Fox games that no one can stand. They, they named him Cletus. Which I can't understand why people... Let me just turn this off. Because I don't need to be getting... uh, Things from people. Um, They named him Cletus, which was like the weirdest... I get it. Yeah, it's supposed to sound like a... Whatever. Cletus. And um, anyway, I would tweet for it for for Fox. And then I wrote a blog for Fox. I was doing a lot of different things over there in the football world. And every Sunday, this was no kids. I had no kids. Let's oh, let's live this fantasy for a second. I had no kids. I go into the Fox lot every Sunday morning. I get there around 930. Okay. They'd have a full spread laid out. Eggs, bagels, locks, pastries, coffee. They had like beer, wine. I wasn't drinking on the job and then they had a woman who was like would come over and ask if you, i never went to her i was always like now nah, i'm gonna get my own thing they make bloody mary's and then i would sit it, they called it the avocado room and then there'd be one main tv and then like 12 tvs around it and they had every game going and then right off this door was where like howie long michael strahan jimmy johnson terry bradshaw that's where all they that's where they were recording and then they come in here they get some eats they'd sit during breaks and they go back in there and like one day, like Usher was in there, Piers Morgan was in there, like it was the coolest. And they used to tell me, like, you know, you don't have to come in to do this because I would live tweet as Cletus throughout all these games. But I loved it; it was the best. And uh, I did that for two seasons, and I won. I was in two fantasy leagues. I won each league. I won one one year and won the other year because I just knew everything that was going on. I heard rumblings and I'd be like, oh, blah, 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 boom. I'd grab guys. People like, how'd you know about that guy? I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm hearing, excuse me, everything two days before you're hearing it. And it was awesome. Now with the kids, I can't put as much energy in and I don't have that job to like researching fantasy. Like I have friends that like research. This year I took a different strategy. This is what I did. 
I did a mock draft. I was like, I like this guy, this guy, this guy. I feel like it's a deep wide receiver year. I'm going to get these guys up top and then load up on middle of the road, like decent, like not so great throwing teams like the Tennessee Titans. They run the ball a ton. So I'm like, well, I can get their number one wide receiver later. Okay. And then getting like number two wide receiver, like second, third year wide receiver guys, because I feel like they could break out. Now, am I going to tank? Yeah, I could. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? You have to pay like $213 in my league. Uh, I do two leagues this year. Anyway, um, so I'm looking forward to it because it's gambling. That's what I like about uh, my bookie is I think I might do a little gambling this year too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, nothing crazy. It's just fun every once in a while to like have a little something on a game. Like That's why people like fantasies because you're watching guys. You're rooting for teams. You, you're like out at like a family event and you just like open up your phone and you see that like the Texans are up 35 zip at halftime and you have Deshaun Watson and you're like, oh, let me know what he's got, bro. Anyway, um, when I was in college, I had flunked out of college, but I had had this summer job painting houses. Did that happen then? Yeah, I had this summer job painting houses, so I had like a lot of money, and I was going to buy a Jeep, okay? I wanted to buy a Jeep, and excuse me, I had this money, and I had flunked out of college. And so I was doing whatever, and my friend was at college, and he and all his buddies were betting on on football, college and pro. Now, I wasn't doing that, and none of us had ever done that, like through bookies and stuff. But what they started doing is they were all pooling their money at his fraternity house, and they were calling this guy, and, you know, this was back in the day when there was, you know, no... There wasn't internet, really. You would like, you'd find, people would find this number of a guy, you'd call him, you'd Western Union him money, and then he would tell you who to pick. That's what this guy did. He was like a handicapper, a guy who like supposedly knew more than everyone else. So we're like, oh. So my buddy calls me. He's like, you got to call this guy. You got to put some money on, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know, man. I was, I hadn't, I wasn't even gambling. I don't know why he just was like, oh, I'm the perfect guy to do this. That's how people think about me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, him? Yeah, he'll bet. Let him a call. Let him get this guy's info, and then he'll tell us who to pick. Anyway, I call the guy. The guy was like, I, I think I Western Union him like $300, and I get on the phone with him. First, I talked to him on the phone. He's like, he, this was like one of the lines that my buddy loved. He was like, you know why I picked the Yankees tonight? And I'm like, no, why? He goes, because I could hit a sand wedge from where my office is and I could land it on the pitcher's mound. That's why. I know what's going on. That's the kind of stuff this guy would sling at you. So I sent him $300. Now, at the time, this is I'm a college kid. I think I had $7,000 in the bank. That's what I had. And I was going to buy a Jeep. I was going to buy a Jeep. So I had $7,000. And my buddy... Uh, is telling me this stuff. So I send this guy $300 and he's like, all right, here's the deal. Thursday night games, college football. He was like, put $500 on rice, rice, rice university. If you know it, it's out in, I think in Texas and like every year they're like one double a, I don't even think they're division one. I have no idea, but I was like, all right, that and something else. So I put down a thousand dollars two $500 bets. Now, my good friend was going to college at UNH, University of New Hampshire. He's the one who told me about this guy. He's the one who told me where I could put the bets in. So I would put the bets in through his friend, 
who was kind of like taking bets for the UNH campus. But he was doing it through his friend who was at Boston College, who was taking bets at Boston College. And that guy, BC, was reporting to this other guy. Okay? That's what was going on. So I'm putting my bets in through this guy at UNH. Now, I'm flunked out of college, but that weekend I, had, I was going up to my old college to hang out with all my friends. I get up there, I'm at a party, and I see these dudes like huddled around a TV, like ESPN. I go, what's going on? They're like, dude, we put money on rice tonight. I'm like, dude, so did I. What's the score? And they were like killing them. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I also have 500 on this other thing. Look, that was killing. So I'm celebrating with those guys. So I essentially, I'm about to win $1,000. I spent 300 on this guy, right? Friday morning, I wake up, I'm at, at my old school in New Hampshire, and I call the guy. And he's like, what I tell you? What did I tell you? I'm like, dude, it's amazing. He's like, listen, there's a lot of games going off tonight. Send me $300. I'll give you picks. I'm like, all right. So I, I send him the 300 bucks from a Western Union. And he tells me, put down, I think like I did 500 on one game and 1,000 on another game. Okay, that's what I did. I was like, all right. And they both hit. So now I'm up $2,500 minus the six. I'm up 19. And I'm like, Jesus, this guy's unbelievable. He's gone, what's that, four for four or something like that. I call him Saturday. He's like, what did I tell you? Look at what, look at what's, how much have I made you so far? How much? And because he would tell me what to bet too. He'd tell you five or a thousand. And I was like, so what did I say that was? 25 minus six, 19. He's like, I made you $1,900 so far two nights and I'm like yeah man and I'm like holy shit this guy's got it this guy's the, he knows everything I know that there are people out there that know how to do this stuff and he is it this is one of them that's that's where I was okay he says to me listen you send me three grand you've already sent me six so send me 2400 you got me for the whole season every single game every single College football, NFL, you got it. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, this guy's a gold mine. Done. So I send him the three, the rest of it, $2,400. I know what you're saying. You're so dumb. I know, okay? I know. You know what I thought, though? I was like, you're going to take that seven grand and you're going to turn it into 40. And you're going to buy a brand new Jeep. You think I was thinking down the road? No. I was thinking two feet in front of me. I'm going to buy a brand new Jeep with all this free money that I'm winning. No, Everything's going to be fine. So I send him the money. He gives me bets. He gives me like three bets for $1,000 a game for that Saturday college games. I believe. Maybe those Friday games were Saturday. I don't know. It's been literally... 24 years since this happened so maybe it was college or nfl now it's on sunday he was giving me the picks for and i was like all right so he tells me i bet a thousand a thousand and five hundred on like three games well they all hit so what happened was i'd sent him three grand and by the end of the weekend on mon by monday morning i had won forty five hundred so I had won whatever bets it was. I can't remember, but that's what had happened. So I was up 1500 after the 3000 and I had them locked in for the season. Well, Monday morning, this was back when you get the newspapers. I had told my mother that night, I'm like, after those games hit on Sunday, I was like, Mom, I, I, I got to share this with you. She's like, what? I'm like, I've been betting through a bookie. 
I'm up. I'm up forty five hundred dollars, ma. I, you know, I've been paying this guy. She's and my mother like literally didn't even didn't even be like, Jason, you have to stop this right now. She's like, that's unbelievable. How do you think he knows these things? That's how ridiculous my mother was. Really, this is unbelievable, Jason. That's a lot of money. You should put some away and then continue to gamble with the rest. It was something like that. Well, Monday morning, I get the newspaper, Boston Globe, open it up. Huge scandal at Boston College. And what was going on at Boston College was guys on the football team, okay, guys on the football team were taking bets and playing on the football team. So not only were they taking illegal bets from some bookie in New York, okay, they were also playing on the team. Now, remember I told you, my guy was at University of New Hampshire. His friend was the guy at Boston College. That was the dude who played on the team that was taking the bets. But all the bets were getting run through this bar. I feel like it was called like Mary Ann's, maybe. Mary Ann's or Mary's, something like that. They were all going through someone at Mary Ann's. And what happened when this thing ha- broke, the guy who was at Mary Ann's, a dude in like New York got killed. The guy at Mary Ann's got beat the shit out of in Boston. And then the kid who was on the football team who was taking our bets just like ghosted. So I drove up to UNH to collect my money. So I'm like, oh, well, I got to collect my money. But here's the deal. That guy isn't getting paid money now from the guys at Boston College who were coming through the guys at Marianne who were going through the people in New York because no one's funneling money down because the thing got blown up by, like, I don't know, the feds, dude. Everyone always says the feds. Well, the feds. I don't know who it was. I just know that it was no mas. So I get to UNH and the kid was like, listen, I can only pay you out of what I was able to collect on campus. Not like he's insured. Not like he's like trying to run a good business where he's like, listen, I want to keep your business, so I'm going to pay you out of my money. This kid was going on spring break in like two weeks. He didn't give a shit. He was still going to go. It's not like he's going to take his personal money and pay me. So I remember he gave me a wad of cash like this. Well, like that. It was like that unfolded. $999. There was like singles in there, fives. That's what he was able to collect on campus. So basically, I had sent this dude 3000 and I got 999 So I lost $2,001. And I don't know why, but I found someone else to bet through. And I stopped going to this guy for advice. Even though I had spent the $3,000. I don't know what happened. I just like took on this thing. Started betting through someone else. And I lost another like... I want to say it's 800 That sounds right. But it could have been up to like eighteen. And then I stopped. And I think when all said and done, I had $4,500 left out of that seven, out of that 7000 that I had. And I was like... Oh, I'm never gambling again. And so I stopped. God, it was such a nightmare. I still guy buy lot I'm still a guy who buys lottery tickets. Do you buy lottery tickets? I see those numbers. You like walk into a seven eleven, you're like, God, 180 million bucks. And then I play the game. What would I do with that 180? And then another one's like 46 and one's 12. And you're like, you look at the 12. This is what I do. I fantasy spend 12, right? Everything I do, I take 50%. Sometimes 60. You know, I'm like, I think you get 60% if you take the cash up up front. And I'm like, all right, 12, what am I getting? Eight? 
maybe uh, seven, let's say seven mil. And I'm like, that's not enough. 50 mil. Yeah. All right. So look, that's going to be around 30, 31. I'm like, yeah, that's not bad. But if I'm paying cash for all the houses that I want, you know, because I want a house in LA, then I'm getting one back east. Then I'm like, you know, am I going to be set for life? Because I'm, I'm never going to work again. And then you're like, nah, I got to get that 180 mil. It's just the worst. It's a, it's a spiral. Oh, you know what I realized yesterday I'm really good at? Spotting a light on during the day. I was in my house and I'm like, you guys remember Royal Tenenbaums? If you've never seen Royal Tenenbaums, stop watch, stop watching or listening to this podcast right now and go watch it. It's the best. But Bill Murray is like training that kid who's a little weird and he like sees the cab and he goes, there's a dent in that car. Like it's this huge discovery. That's me. I was the other day, I go, that light's on. No one's in the room with me. It's just me. I go, that light's on. And I'm like, is that the sun hitting the lampshade or is that light really on? I walked over and the light was on and I was like, you're really good at spotting lights on during the day. And I was like, yeah, this is the weirdest sentiment or idea that you think you're good at. Um, which is why today I lit a candle during the day. And uh, God, there's something I love about lighting a candle during the day. I was saying on Instagram, it's like, uh, it's just like fun to know that there's an energy happening in a corner of the room that you're not in. Because everything that we see, we know because we're right in front of it. Like, I know that light's on, that light's on, that light's not on. By the way, one of my lights broke, so the lighting isn't great, I think. And people complain about my lighting anyway. But I'm like, really? You're watching on fucking YouTube. So, yeah. Am I going to make a better studio? Sure. Am I going to continue to bounce like this? Uh, sure. Um, anyway, I lit a candle today. And I used to have, like, I used to make water fountains. And I used to love having a fountain going. Because there's something cool to know, like, water. There's a movement happening even when you're not in that room. That candle's lit even though I'm not in it. It's giving off a smell. It's burning. There's something awesome about that. And the first time I realized I liked it, I used to work for this guy like uh, refinishing um, like patio furniture. This guy had like tons of like, I don't know if it's chrome. You know those like outdoor uh, bookcases, wrought iron. And they paint them white and it's like the very Italian looking. And then there's the chairs and the tables. Well, this guy had tons of it. And I would work for him where I would like, use a steel brush and like paint thinner and strip them down and then repaint them. He would like buy old stuff. He had tons of it. He was this eccentric guy, lived in the Hollywood Hills. Was He said he was a screenwriter. He was a screenwriter and had this dog. He had this old house in the hills and I didn't care. I was getting paid. And he had this other kid that worked for him. So I worked under that dude. And all I remember... That dude was a little strange. That kind of that guy kind of like managed his property. And it wasn't like he had this crazy huge house. It was in the hills, but the, but the house was on a street like cars would drive by. It wasn't like set back. He had a cool pool with with a pool house, and I wanted to be a writer, so I would talk to him about writing once in a while and he was cool, but like the only thing at the time he had on IMDb was like one thing he sold to MTV. And he was just like uh kind of bigger gay guy super nice but definitely eccentric like he had a um he had a uh statue like a little tiny one like this at the bottom of his pool that was a baby and he used to say how he thought it was hilarious like he'd have people over and I'm like oh, oh people would think there was a baby in the bottom of the pool i'm like yeah yeah i guess that's funny uh it was anyway 
he always had a candle lit in the kitchen of his house, always, every day, during the day. And he told me, like, oh, it's for my mom who passed away. It's like I keep her, like, spirit going. And I remember I, I fucking loved it. I would, like, go in the kitchen to, like, get a water or something, and I'd see the candle lit. I'm like, oh, he's got that candle lit. And it was just, I don't know. It was the first time I ever saw it, and I always think of it when I, excuse me, light a candle during the day. Those are my thoughts so far. You guys responded to me with a bunch of stuff, and I took it down to something. You know, I had this, like, I had a great thing happen to me today. I've been kind of fighting with... uh, one of my agents because I just don't think he does anything when you have people that work supposedly for you and they don't they don't know how hard you work it's like a really weird battle and there's been all these things that have been going on in the entertainment industry where like you you have a a writing agent or a lit agent and the Writers Guild, which is like you know a uh, union for writers basically told every writer in Los Angeles fire your agents they don't do shit that your union can do more for you than they can do they suck so if you were in the writers guild in the union you fired your lit agent so lit agents they they can't talk to their clients anymore because they don't work for them they can't talk to producers because producers are writers it's like become this weird thing and i'm not in the writers union because everything i've ever written or sold you don't get into the union till it's on tv or like all this different stuff so I thought like, oh, we're going to start working, you know, like they have no one to focus on. So focus on your clients that aren't in the union that we can get stuff done. And I've sold, I have two of them and we've sold shows together. So I basically have been trying to get in touch with them. But what agents do, they do this thing. Okay. I don't know what, you know, in your jobs, in your world, if people do this, I feel like in the, in real world jobs, if you ever did this, people just wouldn't work with you. You call them. They don't call you back if they don't have news. If they don't have news, they, they scramble to find it. And I've been calling, texting, and emailing my agent for like two weeks being like, hey, what's up? Finally hit him a text like, dude, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'll call you tomorrow. Doesn't call. So I call. Doesn't call back. Next day, I call. He doesn't call back. So finally, he texted me and said like, hey, the reason I'm telling you all this is because someone asked me how I stay motivated. And this is one of the ways. One, I didn't have a dad. And so I have a chip on my shoulder to prove to the world that I am valuable. Okay? That's the bottom line. I think all the time, like, man, how am I going to get a chip on my kid's shoulders to give them drive because they're getting tons of love from me and my wife? You know, like, all we do is love them. Their family loves them. Everything's kosh. We're not, you know, we don't have money, <laughs> but we constantly give them love. They don't want for anything. You know what I mean? They have clothes. They have Legos. We eat out at restaurants. You know what I mean? Like... There, there is nothing that's going to motivate them right now based off of what we're not providing, which is everything that drove me. But it's little moments like this that like drive me. So I know that my agent was like ducking me because he's trying to like, he's trying to get meetings set about this thing that we were supposed to do. We were supposed to be meeting people and pitching this TV show in July. There's this weird season and during like June, July, August is like a development season for like big networks, ABC, CBS, Fox. That's when they take meetings on with writers and creators of shows that they're going to pay someone to write. That's when it happens. So we were supposed to go out in late July. We never had a plan. I kept hitting up. What's our plan? When's our game? What's what are we doing? And he just never was responding because he 
I, you know, either he's not very good or he's focused on something else. So last night, he yesterday he asked me like, "Hey, can you give me a blurb, like a one line, what the show's about, so that he can set meetings up?" Because he's I've been hawking him so much, he's like, "Oh man, I got to get some meetings set up." That's I know what he's doing. So he says, "I need a blurb on your show. Let me know, please email me." And I said, "No, not till we get on an actual phone call." And he goes, "All right, I'll call you soon." This was at four fifteen yesterday. Never called. I tried him around five o'clock. Didn't get him. So I texted him at 6.30 and I said, I know what you're doing, you know. You're avoiding me while you scramble to get some meetings set that we said would be set up a month ago. We missed development season. It's done. This is sloppy. That's what I wrote. And he said, it's not done. We're going to go to studios. We're going to go CBS, 20th, Sony. And he said, are you sending me this blurb, this one line or not? And this was last night at 11.27. And I wrote, until there's a game plan, a phone call, and a scheme in place that shows it's serious and there's a dedication to the project and to me, I'm not doing anything further. This is not how I work or do business. And then I went to bed. Why did I go to bed at 11.30? Because I was getting up this morning to write at 5 a.m. So when I get up this morning, I have a text back from So what I'm basically saying all this to you guys is because someone asked what keeps me motivated. It's situations like this. This is the text I get back. I get that. He said, you know there's a work stoppage though? Producers not talking to agents about writers at this point, but I hear you, which to me was beautiful. That's exactly what I want you to write back because this is what I wrote back. I said, look at the time I'm sending you this text right now, 5.16 a.m. You know what I'm doing? I'm working. I'm writing. There's always another way to get work. People not talking, work stoppage, it's all bullshit. There's always a way. Think outside the box. Try different avenues. Look at the two shows I've sold. They sold because I got my ass off my ass and shot things, and that's it, plain and simple. If I allowed a... I love this line. Are you ready? If I allowed a work stoppage to stop me from working, I'd never get anywhere. It seems to be a culture thing for you. It's like you don't... You do the least amount of work possible and then throw your hands up. And then I said a bunch of other stuff. But anyway, my whole point is I stay motivated by looking at people not giving me opportunity or people not wanting to work with me or people I work with not doing their job and being like, okay, I need to do it. Because in my business, every now and then people like you get stuff done with people. And I've I've sold shows with that dude, (laughs) you know? And then I have another lit agent I've sold shows with and I got work with. And they just sometimes don't want to do anything. If something comes easy, cool. And then you start realizing, especially if you have your own business. A lot of people out there, if you have your own business, you see, if you don't work hard, you ain't going to survive. That's just not going to happen. You cannot work hard in corporate America and skate by because you get your job done and that's all because you, maybe your boss doesn't work hard. I don't know. I've never been in corporate America. Maybe I'm wrong. Either way, that's how I stay motivated is seeing that people aren't going to work for me, knowing that I'm busting my ass in other places, working on projects in other ways, getting up and writing. If you if you need something to motivate you, just tell yourself that no one gives a fuck about you. That's a really good way to get motivated. I'll tell you, it's been a really, last week was a really rough week. Because my son started kindergarten, and if you have kids that ever had to do kindergarten, some kids don't take to it easily. You're going from either preschool or daycare or stay-at-home mom, 
and then you're going into kindergarten that also has first, second, third, fourth, and fifth grade. So if you've ever seen a fifth grader up against a kindergartner, it's a big difference. Not only that, my son's preschool has eight classrooms and like 15 kids in eight in each. So real quick, that's what, 120 kids? This school has 400 kids. Not to mention that the preschool, some kids are half days, some are three days a week, some aren't. You know what I mean? There's You're only on the playground ever with your classroom and maybe another classroom this one, you go and there's everyone's everywhere. So it's been a tough week. Not to mention, um, you know, my wife and I both work. So we got to put the kid in after school. We got to put him in aftercare. And there's this one program at the school that's if you sign up early, it's free because only 80 kids get in. But you can't pick your kid up till after 530 because they don't want people taking advantage of it, which I totally understand. We leave the house at 740 to walk to school. We're picking up at 5.30. That's a 10-hour day for a five-year-old. Either way, it was not a fun week for him. He cried every single day. He cried before school. He cried before bed. He had a nightmare one night. One day at school, he was crying in the bathroom, and older kids made fun of him. Like, (laughs) it's a lot on this poor dude. And I was just, like, looking at it. It was about this motivation thing. And I'm like, oh, like, how do I try and, like, get him to, like... Because he's not, like... He's a very much a, a observe and then act kid. He's not going to dive right into things. There are other kids that aren't crying at all. They dive in. They're loving it. That's not my son, you know? he's He likes to look at everything and then decide. And I was like, man, how do I, like, get him... How do we teach him to, like, stand up for himself if people pick on him and stuff like that. And then I was like, then I started thinking about the chip on your shoulder and how I always had one and how do I build one in him. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to wait till he's a little older to start, like, telling him <laughs> to fuck people, to tell people to go fuck themselves. I have to wait, you know. It's not like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how I build that. I'll deal with that when we get to it. But there is no excuse me, greater pain for me so far in watching your child be sad and tell you to your face that he's sad, telling me I'm sad. When I'm at school, I'm sad. Right now, I'm for a fucking week, just sad. We had a great weekend and we got him back. And then now, like this week has been a little bit easier. Today is Wednesday. Monday was really good. Today, uh, Monday was okay. Tuesday was really good, really good. Today, we'll see, you know. God, and like just knowing he's going to be good in the end with your kid, but at the same time, like, you know, it's funny because I was reaching out to friends that are dads to see if anyone had had something similar, and no one really had. And so no one could relate. All they'd be like, nah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And I'm like, yeah, I know he'll be fine, dipshit. I know. I, You know what I want right now? Someone to just like hear me out and then just be like, Hey, you know what might might be a fun thing to try? All my guy friends are like, oh, he'll be fine. Finally, I called my one friend who's like sound of of sound mind. And I was like, hey, man, can I just vent and tell you what's going on? And he's like, yeah. And then I asked him about his kid who just started kindergarten. He's like, no, nah, she's been actually good. She's adjusting. I'm like, okay, great. And then he gave great advice and we talked about it and didn't once say he's going to be fine. It's just like every dude wants to just like put a blanket over shit and be like, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. Oh, yeah, because uh, I don't really know how to, you know. I know it's going to be fine. I know. (sighs) I talked about that candle during the day. 
Yeah, I used to build fountains too. It was like my favorite thing. And you know what happened? I worked this I worked this gig where I was um when I first moved to LA, like you don't know anybody. You're finding any work you can. I don't even know how I met this kid who got me this job as a production assistant. I think it was like through somebody I worked with who I was waiting tables and they're like, Hey, I know this guy and he's shooting these online videos for Wolfgang Puck about how to cook the recipe. So you watch the video. No one was doing this. So there was this old restaurant or like restaurant that had closed down in Beverly Hills and we were shooting in upstairs in there. They had like this, they had this like kitchen open to like the dining room. It was a super cool space. And my job was basically to be a production assistant, which means I cleaned up, I got trash, I would pick people up if we need to get people. And the guy who was executive producing the whole thing was like 27 years old, thought he was taking over Hollywood. Like he thought he was going to be the next thing so much so he had me take a rope he brought me in a rope and so in the second floor was a kitchen and then there was like a ladder up a shaft to a like a, a, a latch door that went to the roof of the building he had me go up take two armchairs from the lounge in the in the first floor take them up to the second floor and then in through the kitchen to where this shaft was tie a rope to him and then I went up and I pulled with my hand up and he had someone else like pushing it up to get two of them on the roof and this is why so he could look across the building at the CAA building creative artist agencies one of the biggest agencies in the world he just wanted to look at it and be able to have meetings with people up there he's like yeah if anyone wants to come have a meeting with me I'll just have it up here on the roof I was like Jesus Christ dude couple cool things happened with this guy so he he gave me he had this like he was driving a range rover okay and he gave me the keys and he's like do me a favor i need you to pick up this documentary filmmaker who's going to come do a documentary on me while we make this thing okay listen to what i'm saying he was making and he wasn't making it he got hired to be the executive producer online how-to videos and he got a documentary filmmaker to come film it because he thought he was so amazing that it needed to be documented. Okay. So he's like, go take my Rover, go get it cleaned and then go pick up this kid in the Hills. I'm like, all right. So I go, I have to, I get the thing cleaned. I go pick up this kid in the Hills and it's like this crazy house in the Hills, huge house in the Hills. And this kid was living in the guest house. So much so, let me just explain to you. The guest house had like two bedrooms, two bathrooms, living room, dining room, everything. This is what I later find out. Couple weird stories. Here's one. The kid who I'm picking up is like, I think he's Argentinian. Super nice. We hit it off great. He was like doing all this like behind the scenes footage with what people's roles are, who's doing what. And I'm just a PA. So every time he'd come like have the camera i would just do funny stuff and i would a couple times did things that like blew him away he was like that's unbelievable i mean he's latin so you know he's gonna get a little excited anyway it's unbelievable whatever and we end up going on and making a couple short films together i later found out that the kid so he was living in this guest house with this other kid the other kid's dad owned the big house but lived in like morocco and would only come to L.A. like three times a year and stay in the house. So th- that kid, whose dad it was, was renting the house out for porn. 
Okay, they were shooting porn in this house, and he would get the money for it. Dad's not around. He didn't care. He ended up making like $40,000. He bought a school bus and then gutted it and retrofitted it to be a traveling production company. The kid was super creative. He played flamingo guitar. He was an art, He was an artist. So he would travel around with the other kid who I picked up, and they would go to like Burning Man. They would shoot movies. They had a sound booth on the bus. They had edit bays. They had a screening room, and they also lived on it. They were hippies, but it was super well done. The bus was so fresh. What was the point of this? So I do a couple short films with the kid who was the documentary guy. He liked me. He's like, would you ever want to do something? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I got this idea for a short. So one day they had their bus parked in a parking lot in Venice of this building and they could like run cords to power it and they could use the showers inside. That's now where Google is, what building they were using. This is back when Venice could still be nice places, but like in the middle of, you could do stuff like that. Now, there was a restaurant next to it called Rose Cafe, which was this cool little place that had like, you could, uh, you know, like pre-made food and restaurant. And it was nice. People bought it out and changed it. And now it's like super bougie and super expensive. And Google's there and everything else. is. And there's a homeless camp next to Google, P.S. Because uh, there's a disparity between the upper class and, and the lowest class in our country. And it's a block. Anyway, so I would like go to meet this kid on the bus and we would talk about the script and we were going to shoot it in the condemned house I was living in. And I, so one day I'm there and my guy isn't there yet, but the flamingo guitar whose dad, oh, real quick. So that guy's there, the flamingo guitar, rich dad guy. This is how rich this kid's world was, okay? I find out that the house that they were renting for porn got taken away from his dad because his parents were split up, not divorced, split. And his mother was involved with this other guy who was selling imitation art like Picasso's. Fraud, man. Okay? That's when you know you're in a wealthy world when your mom is out with a dude who sells million-dollar fraud paintings. Okay? And so, I don't know, something happened. They came back because she was still married to this guy. He lost the house to pay off the fraud, whatever. So I show up at the bus this day, and the Flamingo Guitar guy's there, and he's with this girl who's super pretty, super sweet, like had a sparkle to her. You know what I mean? Like some people just have a sparkle. This girl had a sparkle, and she had a, a Boston University sweatshirt. And I'm talking to him like, oh, you go to BU? And she's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm heading back there like in a couple of weeks to, to go back to college. And I was like, oh. And the flamingo guitar guy's playing. I'm not a flamingo guitar guy. You know what I mean? And I'm looking like, what, what is she doing with this chick? And I'm, what is she doing with this dude? I'm like 25, 26. I'm 25. And I'm like, what? This guy? Are you kidding me? The flamingo guitar? And I... You got to understand, I can't stand rich kids. Like, I cannot stand them. And I like this dude. I like that he was like, yeah, I'm going to take my dad's, I'm going to live for free in this guest house, takes my dad's house, rent it for porn, and then refurb a school bus, and then travel around and make art. That's who this kid was. He was cool. And he could play flamingo guitar. But I was just like, fuck you and your flamingo guitar and your rich dad. You think you're going to land this chick? Dude, I'm living in a condemned house off the $3,200 I moved here with from working two jobs, 
moving during the day and stocking shelves at an Ames at night. That's who I was. And I'm like, no way. So I'm like, and I'm not proud of this, but I'm obviously flirting with her in front of this dude. He doesn't give a shit. He's playing flamingo guitar. And he would have long fingernails for plucking the guitar and stuff. And I was just like, are you kidding me, bro? By the way, he was a really good flamingo guitar player. I was like, I cannot, man, I'm, I'm pretty much into this flamingo guitar myself. Let me check the time on that. 50. And uh, so I'm sitting there doing this whole thing back and forth, flirting with her. I'm like, oh, Boston, I'm going to be out there, you know. You should check out this one, like trying to like see if there's a way I'm going to work this. Never am able to work it because she's the guy's a flamingo guitar player, bro. What do you think's going to happen? Uh, anyway, years later. I'm not living in a condemned house. I'm down in Venice at this sushi joint called Canal Club. I mean, called uh, Wabi Sabi, which, again, someone bought it, kept the name, changed the whole thing over, and made it crazy bougie and super expensive. Like, literally, a roll there is like $18 for like a straight-up roll. And so, But it, back then, it wasn't. And I used to go, and they used to have in the fall, they had this, uh, God, they had this soup that had like, I can't remember what kind of soup it was, but it had like a uh, duck dumplings in it with like pomegranate. It was unreal, dude. Like a squash soup. It was a squash soup with duck dumplings. And then they would do like a pesto over it, like drizzle. What? <laughs> and I got the sush too. And some sush. By the way, for sushi, for me, I'm an unfiltered sake. That's how I'm doing it unfiltered and you're out there going unfiltered it's sweeter it's white cloudy it's not that clear a lot of people don't know about it and i like my sake sake cold i like cold sake a lot of you might be going jay it's sake let me get a sake sake i don't really know i know that it's kobe beef not kobe beef it's kobe and I remember my father-in-law was out one time, and he was telling me, he's like, oh, yeah, Jay, we went to this restaurant. We had these uh, these Kobe Kobe sliders. And I mean, you mean Kobe? And he's like, uh, Kobe. And I'm like, it's Kobe. And he goes, yeah, <laughs> and it's Kobe Brian, Jay. <laughs> okay, Gene, what's he <laughs> Anyway, so I'm at Wabi Sabi one night, and who's across the bar? The sushi bar. Flamingo guitar guy and that girl. And I see them. And I say, hey. And I'm like, what's up, guys? And they're like, nothing. They're like, uh, we start talking. And it's a little weird. And like, yeah, we got married. And I'm like, oh, my God, congratulations. That's so cool. And he's like, yeah, thanks. And I'm like, how oh, you married this chick? And I still feel weird about the bus exchange where I was flirting with her. And I was just like, huh. So I sent sake over as a congratulations, which is something I've never done. I had never done that before, and I loved it. Is there anything better than sending drinks over? Excuse me, can you send some drinks over? Do it. Next time you're out, if you can send drinks over, what are you, a fucking mayor? Send drinks over, you know? And it was the coolest thing, the hell up, thanks, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? So then they op- they start a production company, and they li- have the bus in an alley right near Wabi Sabi, and they had, a bi- they had a building. Kid probably bought the fucking building. I don't know. I find out that chick, Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. I didn't find out two years later, but I was basically trying to steal Olivia Wilde from this dude. What did we learn there? I'll tell you what we learned. We learned that 
You're never going to steal a chick from a dude who plays flamingo guitar. One, he's playing guitar. Two, it's magic. The, 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 the girl's hypnotized by the music. That's what flamingo is. Nobody likes flamingo music. It's just it's attracting you. Is there a fountain behind you? Are we on a vineyard somewhere? You know, I used to say all the time, my kids don't get to make decisions until they're 12. You're going to play a sport until you're 12. You're going to play an instrument till you're 12. You're going to do Boy Scouts till you're 12. At 12, I feel like you can be of right mind where you can make a decision. You don't know what you like. I used to say this and people are like, you're going to make him play guitar? And I'm like, yeah. And if at 12, he doesn't want to play anymore, I'm going to pull him aside. And I'm like, here's the deal. You don't want to play p- guitar anymore? Fine. But let me just t- run a scenario by you. When you're 19, you're going to be on a camping trip with people from college. And you're going to be around a fire late at night. And there's going to be guys and gals. And someone's going to be playing guitar. And that person's going to have sex that night. And that's a fact. You want to be the guy sitting back with a tambourine trying to fit in, or you want to be the guy playing the guitar? Facts. Uh, anyway, that's my uh, that bus story. I think that's going to be the promo, 55. Let me just see what else you guys wrote in, and then uh, we're going to wrap it up. I know you're like, Jay, I want to keep going. So do I. Uh, talked about that. All right, so someone wrote me this. I never even knew this. Um First of all, a lot of you guys have been commenting that you cook while you listen to this podcast. I love that. I love that. Um, I haven't been making many new things. We've been doing buying sausage lately and cooking it up with peppers and onions and mushrooms and then like doing it in the cast iron and then really getting like a really getting it like, um, you know, like, so what we'll do is I'll go mushrooms, onions, peppers in the pan and start sauteing in olive oil or avocado oil, whichever we're using, and then start getting them where they're getting, like, you know, uh, blackening up a little and the onions getting a little translucent and they're, like, breaking down. And then I'll put in the sausage and start getting that fat from the sausage in with everything. Maybe I'll throw in a little butter because I don't give a fuck. And then as things are like drying out, then you take some water so you get all the goods off the pan to get in. And then I make like a cauliflower mashed potato because we're, you know, trying to eat healthier. And then I put the sausage and the peppers and the onions and everything over cauliflower mash. Fuck you. It's unbelievable. Anyway, that's a new dish that I've been kind of messing with. Um, Other than that, we just do basics. You know, I'm just realizing if you're trying to eat healthy, buy chicken breast, grill three of them, and then leave the rest in in the fridge and you just go and grab it and like eat it like a piece of fruit during the day because it's like super good for you and it's easy um i got a whole chicken in there we're gonna roast up a whole chicken i don't know what i'm gonna be doing because i'm gonna be laying up i can't wait to not be able to do anything it's not often you get to just be like well i I gotta lay in a bed i just have my nuts snipped so that's what i'm gonna be doing the rest of today and all day tomorrow so if anybody wants to interact tomorrow, I'll be on social media. Um, and I'm going to be doing some writing. Um, yeah. Anyway, someone wrote in and said, experts say people feel comfortable with $70,000 in the bank. It's like makes them feel like they have $3 million and ask me how I feel about it. Let me tell you this. If you're out there, I think there's different levels of having $70,000 in the bank right? Because do you have $70,000 in the bank, but you own a home? Because you're killing it. If that's the case, if you got, if you own a home and you have $70,000 in the bank, good for you, man. Crush. Some of you might be like, Jesus Christ, if I didn't 
have there's a comedian i won't tell you his name um but he's a funny dude and he's created one of the most famous tv shows in comedy if you're a diehard comedy fan and he and i at lunch one day and i was telling him about like you know the money that i was trying to get i'm like you know i'm like i was looking for advice and i gave a number to him and he goes man if i had that number on bank account i would be horrified so everything's relative is what I'm saying. So if I think, you know, if you own a home, you get 70K in the bank, I think you're doing a really good job. And I can see why it would make people feel relieved. You're like, yeah, okay. I got $70,000. Uh, Cause I mean, what's your mortgage? You know, like if your mortgage is, let's say on the high end, it's 4,500 thinking if we're all normal people. I mean, I know people it's $7,000. That's a, f- that's a lot of money to have to pay. So that would give you 10 months of your mortgage if you had 70000 in the bank. Um, you know, other people, you might have a 401k, you invested, you know, where do you have your money? I think if I had 70000 in the bank, um, which there are times I have, I don't know what we have right now, I wouldn't feel comfortable because I don't own a home. So, you know, I live in Los Angeles. So if we're ever going to buy a home in Los Angeles, which I honestly don't know if we ever will, uh, depending on where we want to live on the low end, we would still need a hundred thousand dollars for a 20% down payment somewhere on the super low end. So I don't know if $70,000 would relieve me, but at least it's, you know, that you're like, you have something, you know, I think, you know, like I said, depending on where you live, if you live in a, in a community where you can buy a home, I'm on Zillow all the time. I think I've said this. I'm on it all the time. And I constantly look for property in Massachusetts, upstate New York, Portland, Oregon. Recently, I looked in Portland, Maine, just because I'm like, I like it. And I know there's a like cool food scene there. And it's like rustic and it's Maine, you know, um, which is somewhat affordable. It's still like when you get into like bigger cities, it's not super affordable. I look in New Hampshire sometimes. Um, I And I look in like California, which places that I love, but are always going to be pricey. That's like fantasy world. But when I look in Massachusetts, I basically am like, well, if I'm going to live somewhere that's not a major city or close to a major city, I want some land. So I put in like minimum two acres and then I put in three bedrooms because if we're going to live out there, it'd be nice to have three bedrooms so the kids aren't sharing a room. It'd be nice to have four so we can have guests and it'd be nicer to have like a guest house. Because some of those like farms you can. And I look at like farms and you can find places. So once I find a place and I look for like under $500,000. Then when I find those places, I look to see what the schools are and how far away they are and how far away the town is. Because I'm looking in like rural towns and some have a cool little downtown, like a couple of restaurants, maybe a bar. That's all I need. Something cool. And uh, so I think like, well, 70000 a car outside probably not enough i love you guys i'll see you next week thank you for listening tell your friends share you're the best